0: Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, October 24th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going?
1: Very good. Thank you, Graham.
0: It's, uh, France doesn't really celebrate Halloween, but Halloween is coming, and uh, we try to, you know, me being American, we just try to spread the the gospel of Halloween here a little bit, so... That's uh, been on my nice. mind a little bit.
1: <laughs> I, I, I think the Conservative Party in the UK is trying to spread the gospel of Halloween. Yeah, trick it's o- been trick, scary. Or treat. trick or treat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. As we're recording this, we've just learned that the prime minister has uh, resigned. So yeah, you guys have a lot of stuff to sort out there. Hopefully we'll know more by next week. But yeah, this is crazy.
1: We shall see.
0: Yeah. So what's going on in the NBA admissions world? Uh, yeah, give us the rundown. What's been happening and what do we have to look forward to this week?
1: Yeah, I mean, last week was plenty of activity on Livewire. We had a couple of schools releasing their sort of early action decisions, Darden and Duke, lots of interview invites rolling out um, and questions being asked and stuff. So it's actually, yeah, it's very good. A little bit of uncertainty in terms of the um, Kellogg interview process um, (laughs) and and stuff like that. This week, um, the the big school releasing decisions will be um, Wharton on Tuesday, Um, So um, that'll be uh, 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 very interesting. Duke's also releasing interview invites. ISC are actually releasing final decisions. So yeah, lots more activity to come. And um, yeah, lots of stuff.
0: Yeah. So wait, so Wharton is this Tuesday or is it Thursday? I don't know why I thought... Yeah, I think it's
1: Tuesday. Yeah, okay. So it's,
0: wow, okay, this is exciting. Yeah, that's always a big thing. It um, might be Thursday,
1: who knows, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: so uh, one of the things you just reminded me of, though, you mentioned people were asking questions about Kellogg, Well, we added a new feature to Livewire, which is that you can have a status, which is just a question, Because we found that people wanted to ask questions and we didn't really have a great forum for doing that. So if you do have a question, you can use Livewire to just post a status that's a question and you can pick a school if it's a school specific kind of query, uh, or you can just pick all schools if it's a generic kind of question. And so people have been using that, even though we, you know, we didn't really make an announcement about it, but it's, it's up there and and people have been using it. Very cool to see that, um, you know, people helping each other out, weighing in on, on different questions. So that's been fun to see. Very good. Um, all right, so moving right along, I did want to highlight a couple of things that we've been doing. Obviously, if you're preparing for interviews, I just want to reiterate, we have the archive on the site. We have the, the interview guides that we sell. And you can also subscribe to Clear Admit Plus, uh, where you can get access to our videos about interviewing, as well as the data dashboard, and you, you know, get the interview guides for free if you subscribe annually. So just go to bit.ly forward slash clear admit plus, all one word, all lowercase, if you're interested in signing up. Uh, Other than that, on the website, we did a couple of real humans pieces, one for uh, students over at Vanderbilt Owen and the other for Ohio State University Fisher. And so those are cool, you know, a bunch of profiles up there of, I think, five or six kids from each or students, sorry, from each of the the two programs. Uh, So you can read all about life in those programs. And then we did an admissions director Q&A with our good friend, Sherry Hubert, uh she's at Fuqua Duke has been there for many years and I actually um first ran into her when she was the dean of admissions over at Georgetown McDonough she's a, a you know friend of the show and and also has been on the website um you know doing these kind of Q&As for for many years now and I did want to share a quote from her Alex and I don't I don't know if this will surprise you or not but we asked her to just tell us something that maybe people don't know and so um tell me what you think of this she said A little known fact about Fuqua is that over half of the class is awarded merit-based scholarships each year, which range from partial to full tuition. All you have to do to be considered for a scholarship is to apply. There's no additional paperwork. Fuqua has doubled its scholarship budget over the past few years, and we offer a number of named scholarships from alumni endowments as well as through partnerships with organizations like Forte, Reach Out MBA, Peace Corps, just to name a few. So the thing that jumped out at me, Alex, was that they've doubled the amount of money they're giving out. And I I wonder what you think about that.
1: doesn't really surprise me, honestly, Graham. I mean, it does stand out. But I would imagine quite a few other schools are doing the same sort of thing. It's a bit of an arms race. And certainly the use of scholarship money is a well-known tactic to really sort of appeal to your best um, applicants. So... Um, So, yeah, doubling the the scholarship budget is absolutely fantastic. Kudos to Fuquid for for enabling that to happen because you've got to do a lot of fundraising to do that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, But it doesn't altogether surprise me, Graham, because when you're in that top 16 group, um, it's a highly, highly competitive marketplace for outstanding candidates.
0: Yeah. And we've heard from schools and and just in the press, you know, the domestic market has gotten a little smaller application volumes on the decline. And so, yeah, the schools are using those dollars, I think to try to build their class. So yeah. Anyway, I encourage people, if you're interested in Fuqua, you should absolutely be reading this interview with Sherry. Um, she's always got great insights. It's a really lengthy interview and she talks about their, you know, how they read essays, the whole admissions process there, et cetera. So check that out on the site. The last thing I wanted to run by you, Alex, before we talk about some um, candidates that you've uh, selected to do kind of profile reviews is we've got an employment report that came in from NYU Stern in New York City. Uh, And so I'll give you the facts and figures, and I'm just curious to get your take on this. So NYU Stern, the starting salary for people who graduated, this is the class of 22 know just graduated back in the spring. The average starting salary is $170,000. That's up from 155 um, from the prior year. The total compensation package, including bonuses and things for graduates, is $196,000. And 94% of their students had jobs within three months of graduation. That's actually down 1% from last year's report, which was 95%, but still a a good number. Uh, In terms of where people go, Uh, the breakdown of kind of industries and things. We've got 34% going into financial services, 31% consulting, 17% tech. That's actually down a little bit. Um, It was 19% the year prior. And then we've got 4% into media and entertainment and sports, and about 4% into consumer packaged goods, and the same into healthcare. So those are the kind of industry placements. And then the last thing, Alex, is uh, regional placement information. And so they, they placed 82% of their students in the Northeast of the United States, another 4% in the Mid-Atlantic. If you're not American, or even if you are and don't know exactly what these regions are, the Mid-Atlantic sort of throws in Philadelphia, Baltimore, and DC. Um, so still kind of, for me, I think of it all as being kind of Northeast, but in, in any event, so you add that together, you get 86% in either the Northeast or the Mid-Atlantic. Then you've got 6% on the West Coast, 3% in the Midwest, and 3% outside of the United States. So that's the news out of Stern. What do you make of that, Alex?
1: Which school has the highest average starting salary? Do we know?
0: I Well, I should know this. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I think... Um, Clearly, you know, Stern and Columbia are usually right up there at the top because, well, I'll let you talk about why that might be, but I think of them as being usually pretty high, both of them. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I might even speculate that Stern's could be above Colombia's. And the reason why for that, if that is the case, I'm not saying it is the case, but right. there is a rational reason why that might be the case, even though um, if you look at any ranking, Colombia's in the tier above. Um, Stern. Mm -hmm. Um, But because Columbia would would, um, send people off to further regions of the world post-MBA, Stern is so New York-centric and so finance-centric, and that's where the bigger paying jobs are. It wouldn't surprise me if they have the highest starting salary. or certainly one of the very highest starting salaries amongst all the top schools. So it's because they're a little bit more finance focused than other schools and that 86% are in that northeast mid-Atlantic region um, where the, the highest salaries are certainly being paid. But it, it, it doesn't surprise me. I think if I graduated Stern and I'm in that 6% without a job, I'd be really upset because having that 170 k in your back pocket is pretty, pretty good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I do th- I I do agree with you that New York is playing a big role in some of these figures, right? I mean it just, you know, they're so NYU places a lot of people in New York, but it just also um yeah, it's just the, the salaries are higher there. I also think some of what's happening and why there's been this boost is inflation and the job market's level of competition. You know, I still think there's a lot of competition for top talent even as we may be entering a bit of a recession or something. I still think, you know, firms are there're a lot of firms that are still understaffed and looking to get
1: good folks on board. So we're, we're, um, ent- we're entering a depression here in the UK. Is it just a recession where you are? Well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, France is a little chaotic too, cause there's been protests and things and you know, yeah, yeah there's all kinds of strikes. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, yeah, these are crazy, <laughs> crazy times. By the way, I tried to dig it up while we were talking and I, Columbia have not yet published their okay. report for the class of 22, but for the class of 21, The median um, salaries were, it looks like, um, let me just see if I can dig this up and if I have it right. But I I feel like it was 165 or something, so a a little less, right? Um, Yeah, but I mean, again,
1: Stearns was 155 last year, right? So it's It's going to go up, yeah. Columbia's goes up on a relative scale, Dell Trump. Um Stern, Trump being the operative and, word I suppose. But
0: And actually uh, I think I picked the wrong number. That was the median salary for people going to consulting. They have a general number here which is
1: one hundred fifty for yeah. people. Yeah, so, so again, so we'll that's see. my yeah. point Colombia's might actually be a little less than Stern's, which at first glance you'd think, Well that doesn't make sense that Colombia's the stronger program. Right, but again, Stern overly sends people to finance and to New York. Yeah, so that um, and and so yeah. forth. So so yeah, no, very good, interesting, interesting. stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. So um, let's get into our candidates for the week. I did want to mention we have a couple of events that are going to be taking place. One is this Wednesday, and it's at noon Eastern, and it's a um, a session that we're doing about testing, like whether you should take the GRE or the GMAT or no tests at all, and and this sort of um, The whole sort of debate around what role do these tests play in admissions? What happens if an applicant applies without a test score, assuming a a school allows for that, and which candidates should and should not request the waiver? And does attending a business school without a test Affect your post MBA outlook? Like, does it matter that you don't have a test on your record if you go to get a job or something? So, these are um, topics that we're going to be discussing. We're really lucky to have the executive director for admissions over at Carnegie Mellon, Tepper, who's going to join us. His name is J.R. McGrath. I think I talked about him last week because he's um, recently moved into this role after being at, at Tepper in the, in the you know next rung down in the admissions office. So he stepped into the main role there and he's been, um, going to join, uh, our Mike on our team to talk about this stuff at an event on Wednesday. And then the only other thing on the calendar is November 16th at noon Eastern, we're doing a deferred enrollment event for people who are still in, you know, university and are thinking about going off to business school in a kind of via the deferred route. Uh, so that'll be fun. And, and you can, um, you know, I guess I'm going to be seeing that one with Wharton, Columbia, MIT, UVA, Tepper, Yale, Berkeley, and Chicago. So a lot of schools there uh, for these events. So for the first event about the testing, you can go to bit.ly forward slash test or no test. <laughs> uh, and that's all lowercase, all one word. Or if you want to sign up for the Deferred Enrollment Event, you just go to bit.ly forward slash defer MBA. Again, all one word, all lowercase. So, Alex, I think that's all I had. Obviously, if people want to reach out to you or me, they can always write to info at clearadmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps and we will answer you. Um, but, Alex, did you have anything else before we get into it?
1: We haven't had any reviews for a while, Graham. I think we need to push yes. folks a little bit. Maybe it would be nice to have a review.
0: Yeah, if you like listening to this podcast, please write us a review. Apple Podcasts is the best place to do that. Um, You can rate us on Spotify or Apple or probably any other platform you're listening on. So we'll take those too. But the reviews are just so great to see and it has been a while. So yeah, if you're listening and like this, we kind of um, think of the reviews as the fuel that makes the show run. So please give us some more.
1: (laughs) We would have have run out of fuel a long time ago, if that's the case.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're probably right there. Um, All right. So shall we get on with things and get into the candidates you picked? Let's kick on. All right. So this is Wiretap's candidate number one. So Alex, you picked a Livewire entry for today's show, um, for this first candidate, and this is someone who um, posted to Livewire that they were rejected at Columbia. They had applied early decision. Their GMAT score was a 740, and they're based in South Africa. They do mention they're not an underrepresented um, minority. I presume that just means they're white or something, but anyway, they're in South Africa. They applied, as I said, Columbia Early Decision, they want to get into finance, and they're currently working at MBB, so they don't say which, whether it's McKinsey, Bain, or BCG, but they're one of those firms. Um, they're born and raised in Johannesburg, and you know they applied, they got an interview, um, everything seemed to be going well, but they mentioned they had a very strange interview, and that the interviewer asked very targeted questions about their proposed long-term goals, Uh, in terms of industry trends and, you know, their solutions to solving industry problems. And, you know, this candidate said they didn't feel like they answered, um, they said they felt like they answered those questions adequately, but they were kind of challenging questions, right? So in any event, that's kind of the the baseline story here. But I'd love to know, like, what made you pick this person? And I know you had some dialogue, I think so did I, actually, with this candidate. We got a little more info, so help flesh this out for us.
1: Well, I think it's an interesting case for a lot of different reasons. One is alumni interviewing can be challenging, right? So we talk about, you know, who you should interview with. If you have a choice, Um, ADCOM is your best choice because of the certainty of the style, the format, and so on and so forth. Um, And alumni can be of variance. Uh, no matter how disciplined the school is in terms of training their alumni to interview, sometimes an alumni interview might go on for an hour and a half and it should be 30 minutes. Sometimes yep. it's of the nature of this type of interview where it's really probing and a bit stressful rather than being more of a sort of resume based um, interview and so forth. So the, the one, one issue here is, you know, sometimes you can be unlucky and get a challenging interview. Um, I'm not sure that that's the reason why this candidate wasn't um, um, admitted. But if an alum, if an interviewer does have a strong negative reaction to that experience, then that's certainly not going to help. So, if that was the case, yeah. um, that, that's a, a, a little bit troubling. Um, because, quite frankly, Graham, the, the, the stats and the profile that we know about this candidate, it's no, no, no. No surprise, they got an interview at Columbia, right? I mean, 740 yeah. on the GMAT, MBB Consulting in South Africa, which is certainly not an overrepresented uh, market for top MBA candidates coming to the U.S. Um, so so it is a little bit puzzling. So then you could speculate, well, was Columbia hedging a little bit because the quality of this candidacy might signal that actually they're going to end up going to Wharton or... Or Harvard or something like that. And sometimes we talk about this, right, business schools gaming the situation a little bit. If they don't think you're fully committed to a program, um, they, they might not um, roll out the red carpet for you. But the, the the problem with that line of reasoning is then wouldn't Columbia have put them on the wait list if that was yeah. the case, to sort of yeah. feel them out, to see how committed they are. So so. I'm a little bit puzzled by that because, again, quite frankly, um, there appears to be a lot to like here. So, another reason why I wanted to talk about this candidate, then I'll turn it back over to you, Graham, is they shouldn't give up on yeah. targeting the top, the very best MBA program. So, you know, this, you know, getting an early signal that's negative can be very disheartening for candidates, especially someone that's you know, out there down in South Africa or whatever, they they might not be surrounded by lots of MBAs and the culture of the MBAs and so forth, although they are in MBB, so so presumably there is some of that. But my point being, there will be folks that get denied by Columbia before or after an interview that might end up at Stanford or Harvard or Warren or, you know, you name the who's who list of top-tier MBA programs. So my encouragement for this candidate is to put this experience behind them and put it behind them quickly and re resolve their, their, their strategy and, and target round two, and certainly make sure they include the likes of Wharton and Booth, um, and, and so on and so forth into the mix. Kellogg. Yeah. I, I mean, you know yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I agree. I think this person needs to apply in round two to a handful of other schools and that they will likely find success. Um, as I was thinking about what may have happened, I, I'm going to rule out the you know hedging thing because for the same reason you cited. I think Columbia would have just waitlisted them if that were the case. So I, I think it's it could be, yeah, it could be that the interviewer wrote up a negative review and that somehow turned the tables on them. I do think there is um, some danger when you're coming from MBB, where I've heard more than one admissions officer talk about this sort of um, notion that some candidates come through the process and it's sort of like they don't, you get the feeling that they're applying to business school because everyone else does at work. And it's just like, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. uh, And that there hasn't been quite enough thought put into exactly what they want to do post MBA and why they really um, are excited to get into the classroom and study. And so if there's any kind of a whiff of like, oh, well, this is my kind of, you know, uh, God-given right to get an MBA to top school because I'm working at McKinsey or something, then they're going to get ruled out pretty quickly because there's, you know, that potential for a lack of humility or whatever it might be. And I'm not saying that this person's done that, but that was something that occurred to me as a possibility. And so, you know, obviously we don't know much about the person's undergraduate experience, but as you pointed out, whether well, at MBB, so they couldn't have done too poorly as an, as an undergraduate, no. um, but we don't have those facts and figures. So it'd be good to know that. And and yeah, it just could be a case of where maybe the written materials didn't, you know, quite make a compelling case or something. And then you couple that with a, a an interview that didn't go so well or something. And yeah, but in any event, I feel like they got to go out there in round two and, and they will get into a top school. They just need to kind of redouble their efforts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think we both agree with that. It's, it's got to be hard. I mean, there'll be plenty of, well, some folks that are listening that have had received some bad news and, and there's no doubt that that's that that's very disappointing um, yeah totally but in this process you've got to put it behind you very quickly um, and, and refocus on, on, on to round two whether it's in this case you're, you've got to refocus on M7 programs I think um, or in other cases you've got to readjust your targeting a little bit and maybe mm-hmm. look at a tier below and, and so on and so forth um, yeah but, um, but you know stick to stick to their guns I mean one of the the, the issues that they had with the interview was um, basically talking about their long-term goal well if their long-term goal is genuine don't start shifting it because they had a, a poor experience explaining it just go ahead and explain it better next time really yeah. make sure that that narrative is really well developed
0: mm. Got it. Yeah. I, I So I'm, I'm glad you spotted this one. I know we had both engaged with them on Livewire, but I'd forgotten. And so I think it's an interesting one to bring to light, especially as you say, a lot of candidates are dealing with this kind of stuff right now where you're getting bad news. And so how do you regroup and get going in round two? Um, so I want to wish that person the best of luck. Thank them for sharing their status. Hopefully we gave them some advice here and on the site that's been useful. Uh, but let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is a candidate that you took from ApplyWire, and she, I can say she because she's a, uh, has indicated that she's a female candidate. Uh, She's got three schools on her target list for the fall of 23. Uh, Those schools are Georgetown, NYU, and Yale. She's currently working in human resources at a football club. Or soccer, as we would say in America.
1: Football um, club, Graham. Football club.
0: <laughs> so I can't imagine why you picked her. Um, <laughs> uh, and then her goals actually are in the kind of domain of human resources and sports. And she's got shared a lot of interesting insights into how she intends to bring those two things together. Her GRE score is a 325, and she has a GPA of 3.45, six years of work experience, and she lives in London. Um, even though she's American and did her undergrad at Penn, uh originally from Colorado, went to Penn and then went to London to do a kind of master's in sports management. And that's how I guess she ended up in the job with the football club. And yeah, so she's now thinking, you know, go back to the US, get an MBA. Um she wants to um I'll let you kind of speak to exactly what her goals are, but she wants to work in the sports domain and continue um kind of uh, down the path that she's been on. Uh you know, lots of extracurricular activities, both as an undergrad and currently, it ticks a lot of boxes. And so I'll let you kind of weigh in. But I did want to just read something. She said, "I'm so excited to finally be able to post on here. I've been listening to the podcast for months as I've been studying for GMAT and GRE. And today I finally took the GRE and, and got a score I'm happy with, which is that 325. So I was going to write to her, Alex, and ask her and and kind of thank her for listening to so many um, episodes. But then I realized. She just said she's been listening to the podcast for months, and it could be that she's been taking her months to get through a single episode, (laughs) so I forgot I shouldn't ask. Um, But tell me what you think of her.
1: (laughs) Well, I think she should write a review for the podcast. uh, She's been listening for that long. We need the reviews. That would be great. But, yeah, this is a really interesting candidate, I think. She had to do a pivot straight out of uh, undergrad. Was it straight out of undergrad or during undergrad? But she, I mean, yes, yeah, yeah. nursing. He she was in nursing, yeah, right? So when she, she, yeah. she 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 switched, but she had really good reasons for that switch, and, and it seems to me she's taken on some interesting challenges through her life. You know, she's gone from Colorado to Philadelphia to London. Um, so obviously she's she, she's moved up in the world, right? I mean, that's definitely a positive <laughs> trajectory right there. <laughs> um, but um, but but honestly, um, there's a lot to like about this candidate. Um, I think. Um, you know her, her profile fits um, you know maybe the numbers don't really pop but I think they're certainly good enough coming out of an Ivy League school three four five 325 G in and around the sort of medium for the top schools um, her her career in human resources at a at, you know at a big sports franchise um, 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 is is Really interesting. It separates her from from folks that do a lot of you know, you know, the consultants and the bankers and the tech folks yeah. or whatever. So and it's so, at a
0: Premier League football club, yeah, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, it's, she no, says that, yeah. No, so that's like the, that's the real
1: league. Yeah, yeah yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And so it might even be half decent football club. I mean, who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah. but so again, there's a lot to like. She's going to have to really hone the why MBA, why it suits what she wants to do. And again what I like about her profile is she does seem to have a a good certainty about that post MBA plan. She's recognised a, a a niche that's important, i.e. these sports franchises and their importance for, you know, human capital management outside of, you know, obviously just the football players or whatever. Right. Um and 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 she talked about sort of American owners buying these franchises and, and so on and so forth. So so clearly this is something that she's um, re- really thought long and hard about. Quite frankly, Graham, I mean, she's applied to some very good schools, I think, Yale and Stern and, and, and Georgetown and that. But I think she, she could be shooting a little bit higher. Um, I think she should look at Wharton, for example, and obviously we're biased by Wharton a little bit, given our... Um, given our association with Wharton, but I mean, they've got a good sports program. Um, And, you know, I think other top schools, maybe Harvard, maybe Stanford, but certainly looking at at one or two schools in that M7 group is is something that she needs to do in round two, not to drop the schools that she's targeting, but to add to that list um, and maybe apply to five or six programs.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I feel like, uh, I understand where she's coming from in terms of, you know, she's identified a couple of programs in Stern in and Yale and, and and also Georgetown where she feels like they have um you know, she's done the digging and found the right courses and things that are going to help her. But as soon as we mentioned, you know, hey, wait, have you looked at Harvard or Wharton? She seemed to say, "Wow, I, you know, I didn't know that I would be competitive." And she but she does know a ton about Harvard's offering in this domain yeah. and started r- rattling off all the courses and the, you know, the kind of research that's being done there and So I think she should um, take her shot and and try because, you know, yeah, the numbers are not like flying off the page in terms of being like, you know, 750 or, you know, in this case, she's got a 325 on the GRE, but, you know, sure. Could it be a 330? Okay. But look, this is a female candidate in London who's American with international experience working. I mean, just such a cool job. I mean, everyone's going to be listening when she speaks in class because she's just had a really different set of experiences her goals are great. Are you saying yeah. that
1: because she's watched a team lose more than it wins or win more than it loses? <laughs> I want to know that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know.
0: You know, I, yeah, maybe she'll invite you, you know, the next time Man City plays her team, maybe she'll find a way to yeah. send you a ticket or something. Yeah, yeah. Know. But, yeah. but she, um, but in any event, no, I just think she has interesting experience. Yeah. And also I loved her, her kind of career plan and, and this idea of bringing kind of some of the human capital management concepts from the U S into, you know, these football clubs. And so I, yeah, she has a lot of good ideas and, and I think she's going to land on her feet post MBA. So I, yeah, she, I would be remiss if we didn't, you know, if I didn't just tell her, go for it, like yeah. apply to some very top schools, not to say that the schools on her list wouldn't help her too, but I just think a slightly wider net she might also get a, a you know there might be a lot of financial aid you do find as you go up in the ranks some of these schools have a lot of money to yeah. throw around and yeah, so yeah. you know like harvard yeah. for example so i mean we will we'll see but i feel like yeah she should you know aim high that we would did, be my
1: yeah we did get a kind note from someone that applied last season and they basically said you know listening to 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 wiretaps and you reviewed my um profile and because of that i applied to harvard and i got in so so That's hopefully, right. I forgot about that. um, you know, maybe we can we can do this twice, Graham. Who knows, right? Yeah. But I mean yeah. at the end of the day, <laughs> and this is important, we've said this before, even if she doesn't get into Harvard, she needs to apply because then she'll know that wherever she right. got into is the right spot for her. Yeah. But totally. if she ends up applying to these three programs and gets admits across the board and scholarship money, absolutely fantastic. But then you'd always wonder, right, right should I have aimed a little bit higher, right?
0: Yeah, so in any event, I do want to wish her the best of luck. Hopefully she enjoys listening to this show and, and maybe even additional episodes of the podcast. Uh, but yeah, hopefully she'll keep us posted too, so we'll see how it all turns out. But I you know I, again, I think she needs to, yeah, go after a few schools um, in the second round and make sure that, yeah, she's aiming high. Handwrite so. to review. Yes. How about that? <laughs> Yeah. There you go. <laughs> all right. So let's let's move on and talk about wiretaps candidate number three. So our third candidate this week is an applywire entry uh, that you have picked, and they have 24 schools on the target list. So I'm not going to read them out, but it's really a who's who of, of top schools, and you know, and, and some international programs, not just all U.S. And it's it, there's a range. You know, it's got. Stanford on the list, as well as, you know, University of Illinois, Urbana, right? So there's a big range of of admissions difficulty and geographies on this list. Um, This candidate wants to start school next fall. They are currently an assistant professor of economics um, in India at a university. Uh, They indicate post-MBA, they mentioned consulting technology, investment banking, or media, um, but we did push them on it and they said consulting's really what they're thinking of in the short term, and so they mentioned AT Carney um, Bain, BCG, McKinsey. Uh, They still had a couple of banks on their list at the outset, but I think they're probably shifting away from that. Uh, The GRE score is a 325. Their GPA is a 60%. Uh, So this is again an Indian candidate. So that's the the scales out of 100. Uh, We don't know much about where they went. They are an academic and they've been working for six and a half years. Uh, And again, in India, they want to go to the US though. And they mentioned that They studied econ um, before beginning this teaching career at a premier university in india and they say their academic job is tilted more towards teaching than research and you know they they sort of feel like they're interested in the business school curriculum and you know how it prepares future managers and then they realize that well actually becoming a manager is appealing to them too uh and i i guess yeah so they've decided that they're going to try to you know get into an mba program I this is very unorthodox, Alex, and so I want you to weigh in here. But what do you think? I mean, this is an Indian candidate. They haven't applied yet. They're talking about applying in round two or three this year for all these schools on their list or some subset of them. But what do you make of this
1: situation? Yeah, I mean, the reason why I highlighted this candidate or one of the reasons to talk about this candidate is they're really not setting themselves up for success in the admissions process at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to be a little bit blunt about that because they might well be a really interesting um, individual. Obviously, as a a professor, they've done some really interesting things. That's very good. And, you know, as a teacher myself, I have a lot of, um, you know, kudos for, for people that follow that path. But it sort of strikes me that they—they've been teaching economics for a while. They realise economics is a bit dull, and they <laughs> like the business curriculum, right? And I say that a little cynically because I teach sure. in the business curriculum, right? So right, I do find right. economics a little bit dull. <laughs> I also find economics a bit hard. So he, this person's obviously a lot smarter than me because they—they can actually teach, teach economics, <laughs> but. but but, but, but the point being, there's a lot of signals here to suggest that they're not going to maximise their opportunity in the MBA admissions process. One signal, they've got 24 programmes on their target list, i.e. they've not really sort of gone down the path of really figuring out the right programmes. Another signal is, as you said, their post-career um, list um, initially was Basically, whatever I can get my my hand in, right, so nothing developed there. Mm-hmm. yeah, they went after consulting, but that's a little bit um, broad um, yeah, in of yeah. itself, right so um and and you know their Indian heritage and and we know that that puts them part of an over sort of subscribed population um so that makes it more competitive for them to have all their ducks in a row. Um, applying in round two is going to be very challenging and applying in round three is going to be um, really, really difficult. Um, Round three, basically, top programs are using round three to sort of um, fill in little gaps and make sure that their class profile overall is nice and diverse and so forth. So an Indian candidate in round three is typically not going to uh, fare fare well. So, So their better option would be to suck it up this year really go down the path of exploring their options and focusing their, their, their plans and so on and so forth, and then applying next season in round one um, with a lot more focus. Um, and then if, if they do that, um, it certainly will increase their opportunities. The, the next thing, the challenge for them is to show that their experience as a member of faculty, as a professor, um, is applicable um, in terms of their leadership and growth and mm-hmm. development and impact and so forth. I mean, teaching, you can talk about impact, but they're going to have to make sure that they can show um, that that side of their candidacy is the equivalent of other candidates applying from more traditional um, pre-MBA backgrounds. Yeah. So that will always be a challenge. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I wanted to d- discuss this simply because the raw material may well be there, but the focus just isn't. And that's going to backfire. Now, will they get in anywhere in round two off of this list? It's quite possible.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Will they get into the the best program that a candidate like this should be getting into if they had all their ducks in a row? Probably not. Right.
0: Yeah, I, you know, the interesting thing with this candidate is, you know, even just looking at that list of 24 schools, well, they indicate on their note here that they want to land in the States. So if they're going, coming from India to the U.S., they probably need to go to an American business school. So I would probably yeah. immediately eliminate the schools that are not American on their list because I don't, I'm, I'm seeing a harder path for someone from India to go to school at, say, you know, Hong Kong University Science Technology or, you know, the Indian School of Business, which are on their list. And then somehow getting a job in America. Like, I don't see that happening as yeah. readily um, as if you go to the U S at minimum, you get your one year, um, uh, practical training, uh, you know, visa and, and a lot of schools are STEM, so you can make it three years and stay in the U S. So I, if they want to go to the U S they need to look at U S programs probably, um, in this situation. And I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It would have been better if they were in the first round, uh, their undergrad, we don't know enough about that 60% doesn't jump off the page. You know, we see kids coming out of the IITs in India. Uh, with better marks than that and so I'm kind of wondering, you know, how that went and Yeah, so I I hear I think there's a lot in what you're saying I mean if they were to wait and apply next fall to a streamlined list of schools Maybe they reset the test get a really great, you know 330 plus on the GRE or something they start to really stand out and can speak to how as you say that academic experience that they've had as a teacher is giving, has given them some leadership experience too. And, and, you know, kind of managing their classes and students and faculty, other faculty, et cetera. So I think it's doable. And I, on some levels I would say, wow, this is kind of a really cool non-traditional candidate, but I worry, as you say, that lack of focus being late in the admissions cycle, uh, it just, yeah, could be a recipe for disaster if they don't kind of get it all straightened out quick. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so hopefully
1: yeah. they listen to this and recognize that Actually, um, there's things I need to do before I can optimize my opportunity,
0: basically. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I do want to thank them for sharing their profile. Hopefully the advice that we gave them on the site and on this episode of the show is useful. Uh, Alex, let's do it all again in one week's time. I guess we'll have a lot of stuff that will have happened next week, including... Uh, you know, Wharton invites will have come out. Um, the UK will have a new prime minister in theory. So we'll have some things to discuss. Um, but yeah, thanks for picking these out as always. And I guess we'll see everyone in one week's time.
1: Very good. Thank you very much. Stay safe, everyone. Take care.